Making a no-budget film? It's like going to war. But you're not General MacArthur. You're more like a squad of Viet Cong guerrillas behind enemy lines, trying to complete an impossible mission using guile and your wits. It's risky, difficult, and dangerous. I can swear to it. I've been there. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to the Grindhouse Podcast, putting the sin back into cinema every Monday for your listening pleasure. Well, Matt, I have traveled far and wide for the the, the new sound, and uh, I'm back. I'm back. Welcome back. Feels good. I, I forgot Thanks, that man. you were doing that whole new sound gag, and I never right. even um, related that to the trip you were about to take. I didn't realize oh, oh, that had well, anything to do with it. I was thinking to myself, you know, if, if one is looking for the new sound... Uh, sometimes one must look backwards in order to, look, to move forward. And so I went uh, to um, Central and Eastern Europe in, in search of uh, something old that could be new again. Okay, what, what did you find? Um, well, I found a lot of castles. Uh, most of them are haunted, so I'm, I'm pretty sure I brought back some ghosts. So um, I caught upon the spirits of the different castles to aid us on this episode. Mm, Eastern European castle ghosts. That sounds like some. That sounds scarier than American Ghosts. I don't think. That sounds like uh, a like an electronic band, actually. Castle Ghost. Eastern, Eastern <laughs> European Castle Ghost. <laughs> castle Ghost. It's it, yeah. It has a nice. I I think I just Castle Ghost. Just Castle Ghost. Castle. Ca, it's kind of hard to say though. It kind of turns into one word like Casa Ghost. Yeah. Casa C A S S I G O S S Casa Ghost. Then drop right. some fat beats. Yeah, that's uh, that. Speak- well, that does sound pretty electronic. That sounds good. But speaking of which, one of the uh, so so part of my trip to Europe, um, I got to see a ton of stuff, and we could sort of go into it. But I, I went to a metal festival. Yeah, called Brutal Salt. Yeah. outside of Prague. One of the main reasons I was going, but that did a great performance, was actually not a metal band. It was this band called Carpenter Brute. Have you heard them? Of uh, I've heard the name. So they're basically so. Take every sort of 80s horror movie score, and that's kind of these guys' big influence. Carp- They're Carpenter named after John, John Carpenter. Carpenter. Yes, that's yeah. familiar. Okay. Super, super cool. And you would think that an electronic band playing these 80s synth sort of tunes would not fit in well with some extreme you know, black metal and death metal that was being played at this concert. But man, they had the audience in the palm of their hands. It was great. Metal audiences are open to things. I've I, I found that out watching a band called or a band I, a duo called Harp Talica back at the old uh, <laughs> Headhunters, the old metal bar that Austin that's closed down. Oh uh, yeah, but um, yeah, it was like just nothing like a sea of like Heshers wearing like denim vests with no shirt and stuff, and two uh, young redheaded women on stage, you know, dressed like they were at a concert recital with these big ornate harps and they're just doing like Slayer, Metallica, Megadeth, Black Sabbath, all on harps. And the whole, and yeah, all these metal dudes are, I mean, it was a definitely a different vibe than most metal shows. It was, I mean, it was the same crowd, but it was like, it was almost like it was this therapy session, you know, like some, some kind of weird, where these dudes are just kind of like, you know, kind of slowly headbanging because they recognize the riff, but, um, you know, closing their eyes and looking very serene. And it was like, this is, uh, I like this uh, more of this, you know? 
Well, there there is magic in music, and um, you know, when done right, when you connect with the audience, you can just you can make people you take people into whatever direction that you want them to go in. Uh, I, I'll be honest, man. Like while I was gone, there was a lot of real unfortunate news coming from the states. You know, um, a lot of negativity, a lot of sc- shootings and what have you. Uh, it was like two or three in the two weeks that I was gone. Yeah, see, it seemed and like more than usual. It, it it seemed like it was it was like, yeah. If you're, I mean, if you're gone for a few weeks, you expect a shooting, you know, but not two in the same. Right. There was like, there was. I think there was three in one week. Three three um, in one week. Yeah, two in one day. I mean, that's, yeah, uh, and. Which is crazy, and you know, of course, the, there was the old, the old um, excuse that thrown out by predominantly the, the right wing conservatives, which was that it was a violent video games and heavy metal music, right? Of course. And, and mind you, that this is happening while I'm at a heavy metal four day concert, and I got to be honest, there was not, I didn't see anything less than smiling faces. I I never saw any acts of aggression. Um, everyone's helping each other out, you know, picking each other up if they fall down. We've made friends from all over the globe. We met, we made friends with people from Poland, people from Eastern Europe, um, you know, Australia. I mean, it was great. It's just a, it was a real community, and you know, I think that rather than blaming this violence on things that you, you just don't understand. I think if people took more cues from those kind of scenes, those kind of communities, uh, yeah, I, what I saw was a lot of people, you know, thousands of people in a small, cramped, tight area getting along and helping one intru- one another out. Uh, and I think that's, that's something that we need a bit more of in our country. Yeah, it's just music in the end, and, and music is not... It's uh, it's just no matter how much they want to paint it that way, it's not a force for uh, violence or uh, you know bad behavior. It's it's a it's an art form that takes a lot of skill and practice, and it's eh, it just it's, it's scapegoating. You know, it's people just scapegoating. I yeah. mean, that's they have to do it because you know if they mention the the real problem, you know, guns, um, maybe guns, uh, that that they get in a lot of trouble with their base and. Uh, Guns are very important to people. I kind of, I kind of touched on. I, I actually touched on a little bit of that last week, talking about um, the uh, fantasy of Charles Bronson films and the idea. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I think one of the, one of the things that's it's like uh, I didn't mention is how like a lot of these guys, a lot of Americans, they buy these guns and they talk about it's for protection, but in reality, they 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 have this kind of desire. Like I hope I get to use it someday. Do you well, ever get that it's impression? It's an equalizer for a lot of people. Well, it's, yeah, it's an equalizer, but, I, it, but do you ever get that impression that they're like, it's not just like, uh, it's good to have it just in case, but it's more like, I hope that, you know, life sends me some kind of villain and I get to kill somebody. Well, we talked a little bit during our midsummer discussion about how in in modern Western culture, there's there's a lot of want and need. Uh, that's not being satisfied by our current system, and and I think that that plays a part in it. I think that, in a you know, I think you talked about when you were talking about the Bronson stuff, and and I think even uh, a, a worse example is the remake with Bruce Willis, because that was just like so on the head, like old sort of broken down white guy, and now he's gonna get revenge on these street punks in this world he doesn't understand anymore. You know, uh-huh. I forgot they even did that remake. Yeah, Bruce Willis yeah. did that. <laughs> Was that yeah. was that a good? I mean, it was just the same crap. It was yeah. just it was it was like a it was an NRA wet dream, and <laughs> I think that there's a lot of people uh, in this 
country particular even and it is in this country because again i was i was away from it when you're when you're able to step away from it you see how specific to america it is i'm sure yeah but there's the sort of you know the there's an argument that could be made that the right wing has lost the culture war and has been losing the culture war since the late 80s early 90s so now they're trying and, to turn it into an actual war with weapons well i mean <laughs> i i wouldn't say that i mean i think it's fantasy it's it's unrealistic fantasy but I do think that they feel somewhat hopeless or or inept or um, impotent might be the best word to use. That's a good word to use. And and their way of counter uh, counter programming the the change in culture is by whipping out their guns and and you know by using force or at least daydreaming that they'll have that opportunity and then they'll they'll show how they're they're actually you know worthwhile after all then their their place in this world is secure oh yeah except when they do try that they end up on the news and they end up in jail like uh the woman that um she fired at shoplifters in a home depot parking lot did you hear that that was that was no yeah she uh, she saw security or employees chasing some shoplifters and they got in a van and they're driving off and she tried to do the whole uh you know blow out the tires <laughs> she tried man. to be like mel gibson you know so so she's, she's way, just standing there in this home depot parking lot like firing down the street at this van driving away and it's like two days later she's like why am i in jail what what, what did i do wrong you know and, yeah it's a real <laughs> dopey thing dopey is the best way i can describe it and it is a very much an american thing and um you know being around other cultures and and then they find out that you're an american it's like you have to answer for some of the the dopiness <laughs> yeah. that occurs in this country you, you get a little like, uh you get a little interview there from the, the other yeah, people it's, like it's oh american of, i yeah, have some like, things i want to ask an american <laughs> and it's just like i don't have an answer for it man i don't understand it either to be honest um oh, yeah. but no i thought you i i thought you answered that question excellently i, I was really really happy with it. in fact the whole episode last week i thought you did a, a marvelous job of you know and you know holding the fort down on your own and and making our fans guest uh to you you know the co-guest for you um that being said there was there was one question from a very loyal listener of ours silent kev that i Uh i i just felt like maybe needs a little bit of a counterpoint that's that's all i'm saying okay before you before you continue where is silent kev from where does he listen does, do you know well, my guess would be jersey okay yeah how do you find the show you jersey sound boy. familiar with him do you have you had correspondence with him before you know uh you know i i'd like to you know believe that i have a connection with all of our our fans i feel like you have a stronger connection and, with this guy well i feel like he's got he's got good taste he's got good taste in his <laughs> his phonology and um he asked a question about uh one of our favorite films Kevin Smith's Tusk. I've heard of it. And and um, I understand your point of view, but I disagree with it. And I think Simon Kev disagrees with it. And I just want to take an opportunity to maybe come to the defense of Tusk a little bit. Because I feel like maybe people think this is a gag. Like like, like we're, we're tongue-in-cheek saying that, that Tusk is a great movie, but it is. Oh, I, I thought you meant Tusk movie. is a gag because it is. It's um, basically a well, joke that what didn't Kevin Smith like tell it on his podcast? And then, because I believe in the end of the film, you actually get a sample from the podcast where they were laughing at how bad the movie idea they thought of was. I don't think they were laughing at how bad the idea was. <laughs> here's, here's the origin of Tusk, right? 
So, Kevin Smith and and his long term producing partner Scott Moser were reading an ad from Gumshoe, which I guess is like a Craigslist type deal, mm-hmm. wherein uh, a man was offering a room to rent in his apartment or his house or whatever, on the condition free of rent, free of charge, you know, on the condition that that said occupant dresses like a walrus, and. Um, they were enjoying some of California's finest crop and were having a good laugh over it and thought, what a crazy, weird movie that would make. So, you know, the origins of Tusk is so grassroots. And it's one of the reasons why I've championed it for as long as I have, because literally this is just this crazy idea that like the no more different than like you and me, you know, over a couple of drinks have come up with or any of our friends really, you know, uh-huh. and and they, they put the vote to the people. They said, if you'd like to see this movie get made, respond via the Twitter, hashtag yes, walrus, or hashtag no walrus. And the people overwhelmingly voted hashtag yes, walrus. This is a populist film. <laughs> okay, sure, sure. Um... It, is, it is a film for the people and ultimately by the people. It's too bad it's not enjoyed by the people that watch it well well i think the tide is changing on that i think the tide is changing on that so i read an article a few months back from trace thurman of bladediscussing.com and he wrote an article saying in defense of tusk throughout the article i think he really illustrated some of the reasons that i ultimately connect with the film um one of the things that we've often talked about is and i think this is a complaint that a lot of people have which is that there's there's a, a lack of originality in films these days Uh right yes um everything is a comic book adaptation or a book adaptation or worse yet a a reimagining or a reboot of a property that you were familiar with we talked about ghostbusters a few episodes back Um, now let me ask you matt when was the last time you saw a movie about a walrus well that's true but it it did have some of the similar plot body horror feel of the human centipede there was a little bit of human centipede i would more liken it to david cronenberg's fly remake than i would the human centipede uh, i don't know about that i, I mean fly is it, it it doesn't have that same victimization though it's he's doing it to himself with his experiments also it has some of sure. the best dialogue it's a great film the character of wallace Played by uh, Justin Long. Wallace, who becomes to, a walrus. Walrus that becomes uh, the walrus. Wallace the walrus. Genius. You know, I think that he he represents, in a lot of ways, modern social media culture. I'm sure he does. That's kind of... see those parallels. What You know, just about every movie has a character that represents that these days. Yeah, but more specifically, I think what made this, this movie have a... Make this more of a bold choice is that he put... Kevin Smith put the the prototypical internet troll in the protagonist role right so through wallace we see these people online who are kind of self-centered they're kind of mean they talk a lot of shit behind their you know the veil of the keyboard and he put he puts that those types those archetypes in the driver's seat and we get to see what happens the ultimate conclusion of trolling gone wrong it's what's the deal? He's got like a YouTube channel and he's going to go make fun of this guy or, or a blog or something. He's got a po- yeah, he's got a podcast where he, the whole point of the podcast is to 
find these dopey people hunting for fame through the internet and to mock them and to make fun of them. Uh-huh. Right? Um, in many ways, you could see Wallace also representing that of film critics, many of which take delight in running down Kevin Smith's movies or Tarantino movies mm-hmm. or any of these movies that are very popular with If it's, if it's Kevin Smith's movies, it's probably justified if they're... Uh, Is it, though? Uh, he makes terrible movies these days, man. Are you uh, excited about I mean, the new Jay and Silent Bob film? I think it'll be entertaining. Oh, yeah, I'm sure it'll have some entertainment. I, I mean, mean Clerk 2 is fantastic. Did you not like Clerk 2's? Clerks 2 was a long time ago. Uh, I saw the trailer for that okay. new Jay and Silent Bob. They're, they're standing outside of a restaurant called like Cock Smokers or something. And they're... Have, have you ever seen any Kevin Smith film? I mean, it's getting a little tired. Well, listen, he has a style. And to deviate from that... When he, when he, when he has deviated from that style, let's take the much maligned um, Jersey Girl, okay? Yeah. People complained. It wasn't a View Askew film. Then he makes a View Askew film, and people are like, it's tired. Changed up. Then he changes it way up, and he makes a masterpiece like Tusk, and people don't understand it. No, that, so that, really, was, that was not... No, he changed it way up, and he made the great film Red State. Red that State is was, great as well. That was the good movie. Then Listen, Tusk was just Michael, like a fart that he put in the air, and we're just going to kind of let it linger until it goes away. Listen, let's just talk about some of these great moments. Then he made First off, Michael Yoga Parks. Hosiers, which I didn't want to bring up because... Listen, yo- yoga Hosiers wasn't for you, who's a, a near 40-year-old man. It was, was for teenage girls. It was for nobody. That was a horrible film. Uh, it started well, with two teenage I, girls doing an anthrax cover in their garage. The rap song by Anthrax. I'm the man. Terrible song. Great band. Bad I just, song. I just saw Anthrax. They're awesome. Yeah, I, that's a bad song, though. Good band, bad song. Kevin Smith, good filmmaker, bad movie. Tusk, Listen, bad movie. I'm not, I'm not the target audience for Yoga Hoser, so I can't intelligently uh, say whether I enjoyed it or not. However, you have to agree, and, and you did agree last week, that Michael Parks' performance in Tusk is riveting. Yeah, yeah, he's good. He's, I mean, he's Michael Parks. I mean, look, man. He's amazing. He's always yeah, but, amazing. but like, but like, listen, look at this character. This is a character. <laughs> this is a character who was lost at sea, and had befriended a walrus that saved him. But as is the nature of humanity, yeah, self in 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 a self serving moment, he killed the walrus in order to survive. Only to be rescued, like what it was the next day or something. If he had just waited one more day, he and Mister Tusk would have survived. So he's 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 weighed down by this guilt of his own cruel humanity. So much so that it's led to an obsession to recreate this defining moment in his life that sent him down this path to being a villain. Yeah, yeah. Oh. You use that word villain, and it, you're right. It, it has a backstory, kind of a villain, comic book villain backstory. Yeah. Maybe this is, yeah, maybe I am viewing it wrong. Kevin Smith, the comic book writer, he how he got his start. Uh, yeah, I guess there's a, okay, all right, yeah. I guess there's like a few, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, you, had, you had to go at me with Michael Parks, man. You found the soft spot. Like, yeah, I like him a lot. But I will say, and and you and yes, you can enjoy both. This isn't like a one or the other thing. But Michael Parks in Red State, yes, was absolutely. way better. <laughs> They're both great. But I, uh, I you leader, know, I give awesome. I, I give Tusk just a little bit of an edge because it's such weirder 
I mean, okay, for example, we love Nick Cage. Yes, I think we can both agree we love Nick Cage. Sometimes. Um, all the time. Um, <laughs> while I was on vacation, I got the misfortune of watching Ghost Rider in a hotel room. <laughs> now, Ghost Rider is a film that was perfectly cast. I mean, Nick Cage as Ghost Rider is fucking excellent. But the rest of the movie is just so bad. It's not even enjoyable. It takes no risk. It's just hammy, cheesy. It just it just fails on all points to even elicit any controversy, right? Yeah. Now the movie is basically just a big tech demo for like uh, realistic CGI flame effects. Um, that could, which, what you can which accomplish. Even when you watch it back, yeah. Which even when you watch it back now, the the VFX are pretty bad. <laughs> that that movie. I want to point out. Uh, I was watching it with my fiance Jess, and. She said, "Man, this movie." I said, "The VFX of the movie your are what? terrible." Your fiance, my fiance, yes, what? yes. Would like to announce that uh, myself and Jess are gonna get married, and um, yeah. How about that? that so was you, part of my vacation. You went away to Eastern Europe as a as a bachelor, as one of LA's most handsome bachelors, and you've come the back. Tourist. You've come back uh, claimed. You're off the market. As one of my friends said, I left a boy and I returned to man. Oh, wow. Nice. But so I was talking to her about the VFX. And she's like, yeah, but that was a long time ago. And I said, this movie came out a year before Iron Man. The point of me bringing up Ghost Rider was that that's a movie where you could tell none of the actors thought it was a great film. Nor did they did they put an earnest effort into it. They just hammed it up the whole time. Just slept, walked through the whole thing, phoned it in. Just all the cliches. West Brantley, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, shout out to Peter Fonda, though. The kind of like uh, we're, we're doing the with this episode. We're both incredibly tired. I've been working my ass off, and you're a bit jet lagged. So yeah, just riffing. We're jazz, man. <laughs> but with with Tusk, you know, with such an absurd topic or a, a, an absurd, yeah, like with such an absurd topic like Tusk is based on, you could have easily seen the actors sort of phone in this hammy, cheesy, sort of by-the-numbers villainous, you know, characterization, and uh. yet all of them all of them put in a lot of heart into their individual roles. Michael Parks being the standout. I think you could also look at Justin Long really, really owning this asshole character that he is. You know, just a real sleazy, douchey, self-centered guy. And he gives... Yeah. He gives an, uh, an, an honest portrayal of that in his performance uh he's he's not bad but it's not that memorable either i if you ask me but i I don't know i don't want to just keep attacking tusk or defending my position i guess or whatever this is Um, (laughs) it's uh i I think i can see where you're coming from um i will throw this out there uh as we always like to recommend stuff if you want to see a better movie about someone that has a um, social media blog, YouTube channel thing that goes around and um, kind of exploits weird people and then sort of gets caught in a uh, kind of a horror, horror movie style trap, you know, si- similar to the plot, right? What we we're talking about. See Creep 2. Oh. Yeah. Have I don't you, even think I've seen heard Creep of the Creep, 1. The Creep series? Have you heard of these films? No, it's um I can't remember his name. He's that guy from the league. He's uh, normally a comedic actor, and he's got these two films. It's Creep and Creep Two, and they are kind of um 
what do you call that? Like first person way of shooting a film. Uh, oh, POV. POV films. Yeah. Where it's like yeah. uh, the premise for both of them is that someone answers an ad in the, uh, probably Craigslist ad for a, um, a filmmaking job that is just one day uh, of, of come and film this guy. <clears throat> you know, he's looking for somebody to come film him and it pays a lot. Uh, doesn't really give much information. And then it usually has some weird little last line in the ad. And, and so uh, it, it's just kind of like, um, oh, it's the kind of film you don't want to give too much away, but uh, it's, it's, they're very uncomfortable. They're called creep because it's just, he's a creep. I mean, they're very, very yeah, right. uncomfortable films where you're just like always kind of on the edge, a lot of jump scares, a lot of crazy stuff. You don't really know what's going on. And both films are pretty much just two people the entire time. Uh, but uh, Creep Two was where the concept really shines. That was very, very good. So, uh, so would you say then that Tusk was the gatekeeper that that sort of uh, broke through in order to give way to Creep One and Two? Uh, I'm not sure. I don't know which one came first. We'd have to look that up. But uh, no, I wouldn't say that. I don't think this guy was inspired by Tusk. Unfortunately, I, I did not get that impression. Listen, I would just say what Kevin Smith has done, coming from the role of a more traditionally thought of as a comedic director opening the door for more horror films to be directed by comedians is something that we should give him credit for. I don't know, man. I like, I am, <laughs> I am like, I hear all the stuff you're saying and, but I, I even, even still like with all the arguments, cause you've made some legitimate kind of uh, defenses of Tusk here. And I'm still going, is this like a gag that he does? Cause you know what I mean? It's like someone tells well, you they, they believe you in that. fairies and you're like, is this like a real thing or is this just like a joke? Like, you- well, well, here's the interesting thing about it. The premise it's, it is, it's a magic trick. I mean, are you right? doing Which a gag? All- That's what I mean. Like, do you really like this film? No, no, no. I really like the film. <laughs> I really like the film. <laughs> I have a hard time just believing Listen, I just find that. the absurdity the absurdity of this concept so difficult to execute. Uh-huh. And it's it's kind of a it's kind of a one it's it's kind of a one gag trick, right? Like the whole point of watching Tusk, especially at the time, was to see this walrus suit, was to see if he could actually pull this off. And I found that he actually did. I mean, it's there's some legitimately creepy moments. It's a film that makes you feel very uncomfortable which a lot of horror films don't really do. I mean, the scene when Justin Long first finds that he's missing a leg is pretty intense, you know? And okay. even the final scene, even the the, the, the walrus battle, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. It's weird. It's weird, and the suit's weird, and it's funny-ish, but in a very disturbing way. That that, that was um, that was a bold scene, for sure. That took a lot of guts to, it, to do and, that. And, and he, he said it. For that. Right. Okay. Any other director would set it to some sort of like a orchestrative um, piece, maybe something kind of creepy sounding, intense. He set it to Tusk by Fleetwood Mac. Seems which doesn't perfect kind of an obvious doesn't per- choice. Not necessarily the best well, choice though. Uh, but but it's so weird, and it just goes to this weird, absurd con concept. You know, the whole the whole of it is just it's just not what you expect. And, um, and I, and I think from that, from that perspective, like I put it on and I wasn't sure how I felt about it initially. 
And I just, but I kept watching and I kept watching and I kept going in and I was like, that suit's weird and it's kind of funny and it's kind of camp and now it's so funny and it's so weird and then it keeps going and it's just, it's just, it goes into some weird territory and, it, and the very last scene where I think there's a quote in the film that talks about the difference between animals and humans is their ability to cry or something like that. Do you remember that? Uh, no. Uh, but it's probably there. I just don't remember it. Cause That's, anyways, the point being is like, forget. all you have to know is this film boldly goes and answers the question that I think most people are afraid to ask, which is that is man indeed a walrus at heart? Yeah, no, that's not a question that anybody has ever. I, it's a huge question needed to ask. I want to, okay, moving forward. What would you like to see in a Tusk <laughs> sequel? I don't think you can. I think that the, the, you know, the great films, they answer a question and there's no need for a sequel. I think this is wrapped up in a nice, neat bow. Yeah, but the horror films, they always have sequels. So what What, if, what about a different animal? Maybe it's this one's called um, something like Horn, and he transforms a guy into a Norwal this time. Or, or a nor- Norwal? Is it, what am I thinking? Norwal? No. Yeah, yeah, the I mean, little like the, uh, I, the little sea mammal with the the giant unicorn horn. Yeah, no, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, I don't think it works more than once. I think this is, and this is, I'm not even sure that this is a movie that you watch more than once. It's it's kind of a movie that works the one time. How about Pouch? And transforms a guy into a kangaroo. Pouch, you want to watch Pouch? I, I might be, I might be okay with that. <laughs> all right all right funny how about bill okay what else transforms into guy duck bill platypus yeah bill oh mm. you know i could actually get behind that one (laughs) that would be strange can you imagine just along with the with a with a with a tail and a and a duck it's not justin long he's already uh, no 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 no. the sequel is not not just like the story happening again with different characters it's someone fighting the justin long walrus and being like what other animals can we turn him into (laughs) okay but what about this just let me just throw this out there does it work that way can you i mean if you can make a walrus suit can you then totally but remove him can you come out of the walrus suit how does that work is it? Well, I don't think he can. I, I mean, I think they would have removed. Well, it's hard to say, but I, I, I would say that if you're going to do a sequel to this, the sequel and or sequels, maybe it's a trilogy. Maybe Tusk needs to be a trilogy, much like Star Wars, where you see the first part of the trilogy is about the damnation of the lead character. The next movie is about his redemption. But first, he's got to go through the platypus stage. He can't just go straight to be back into being a human. He's got to he's got to be a platypus first. All right, so we're doing Star, a film where George Went transforms a uh, Instagram, a female Instagram influencer into a uh, star-nosed mole. Wait, what? Where <laughs> so we're doing uh, star-nosed mole? They have like a, like a basically they have like a hand for a nose, and they live underground. That's just well, that's too weird. <laughs> it's sticky. I think that's 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 no longer that's within far. the realm of. <laughs> All yeah, right, exactly. then we're gonna do um, what? Uh, we're gonna do Sonar, a film where Patrick Stewart transforms a uh, into a, uh, a YouTube uh, video game streamer into a um, vampire bat, and they have to live up. Oh, see, I thought cave. you were gonna go a dolphin or porpoise. That would have been interesting. Uh, a dolphin, yeah. That's. Uh, I feel like South Park did that already. Did they? Yeah, they did. There was an episode where uh, 
I think it was a lot like of the man dolphin love. I think I think it was like someone in someone in town got a sex change or something. Um, the teacher, Mr. Garrison, I think he, I think it's that's the one where he gets the sex change, and um, I think Randy Marsh, uh, one of the kids' dads, gets excited because he thinks that if this guy can change a you know a, a male body into a female body, maybe he can get, make finally make me a dolphin like I've always wanted to be. So he gets this weird mm. surgery, and it's um, very, very ugly, very bad. Once again, this is the this is the legacy that Tuskley's behind. It's it kicked in the door to allow South Park and Creep to be able to exist in this world. I, I'm pretty sure both of those things um, are predecessors to Tusk, but I could be wrong. We don't know that for sure. I don't. Okay, so that's that's my defense of Tusk. You know, we leave it to the audience to decide whether or not they agree with me or not, where they stand on Tusk. We'd love for the you guys to to reach out to us and let us know your thoughts. Yes, we've we've solved the we've solved the gun problem. We've written the sequel to Tusk. What else do we need to accomplish with this episode? What's been going on since I've been out of the U.S. for the last couple of weeks? I uh, watched a lot of TV. That was cool. <laughs> um, Anything interesting on TV? I watched, yeah, I watched The Boys on Amazon. It's a fantastic show. Oh yeah, how is yet. that? It's perfect. It's exactly what I needed. I mean. Uh, you, you know, I'm, what's the what's the premise of I'm it? I'm always complaining about the superhero films, and how tired of them I am. So uh, to see a show where um, superheroes are, you know, it's it's like um, in in this world, superheroes are very famous. They're very loved by the population, but the uh, protagonists that you follow in the story, they just hate them. You know, they think they're awful and mm. deserving of punishment and. Uh, and they're right. And there's a whole plot to it as well. But it is nice for me to finally watch a show that's not like, oh, superheroes are the best. They're and the one that's kind of you know they're actually kind of stupid and ridiculous. And let's kill some. Well, yeah, it's, so that's kind of fun. It's funny on my flight back, which was a uh, was very long. One of the films that I watched was Endgame, and uh, yeah, it's still an, it's still very enjoyable. You know, it's a, it's a nice conclusion to ten years worth of storytelling you know leading to one sort this, of decision it's not the first time you saw it that's it's the not the first time you've seen it yeah i can't but, um, imagine watching any of those films twice uh, it was I, fun i, I can't see i mean it. It's fun it, on a flight. not at all i would not i feel i feel like uh, every time i've gone to one of those uh, yeah every time i go to one of those films I, I leave the theater like okay i saw it now i'm gonna know what all the memes are and i'm gonna be able to talk to everybody about it but uh I won't be watching that again. Well, what I find interesting is that I don't know where they can go from here. I maybe to their own detriment. I think they've wrapped it up so neat. I kind of don't care what happens next. Like I'm kind of good with it. If that makes sense. No, I definitely don't. I I, I usually feel that way after I leave. Even the um, the 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 preceding films. After I left, like the second Avengers movie, I was like, okay, that's enough. But then they keep coming out, and I know that it's like required. Like all my friends are going to be talking about it. Everybody's going to be. It's it's this cultural thing, and um, and and Ramona, she usually wants to go see the films too, so it's a good date night. So I always catch them, but I don't think I'll ever watch any of them again. Uh, yeah, one one view is about all I can take with any of these films. Well, and if 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 Tusk is a movie that is just so off kilter borderline weird and and maybe even nonsensical i feel like the marvel films are the antithesis of this right they're safe the formulaic yeah they are based on a mater- on on material that you're familiar with or have some familiarity with 
They they hit all the satisfying moments that you expect out of a superhero film. Big fight scenes, comedic retorts. You know, they feel very safe, and I just don't know where you go from this point. Yeah, watching the, there's no surprises, not really. It's just uh, you're gonna have maybe a couple of twists that that aren't so much like twists in the sense like oh I didn't see that coming, but just more like you know if you know the movie's only about three-fourths of the way through, so there's going to be some kind of moment where it looks like they're about to have a victory, but you know the movie's much longer, so they're going to throw in some, right. you know, some wrench in, in, the, in the gears that turns things around, and they're going to have to recover, and it's, it's not that same kind of like, you know, I don't know what's going to happen next uh, kind of surprising thing. That you're, that, that, and that's what you're getting from a lot of these shows that um on Amazon and and Netflix and you know like uh the boys has tons of that where you, where you're really like right. literally like just jaw dropped like I can't believe they just did that that's I was not expecting that uh so was it what is it was it satisfying I mean does it match up with uh, it's a Neil Gaiman is it a no, book uh, or is boys it a- was a uh after I think a few years after preacher uh or maybe okay. more than a few uh, maybe 10 years after preacher was written by Garth Ennis um, oh, Garth Ennis, yeah, that's right. He, uh, he wanted to do a superhero comic book because he hadn't done anything like that yet. And he came up, came up with the idea for the boys of like, what if there were these guys? That, and in, in, the, in the comic book, they have powers. They're, they're just as, mm. they're not as strong as the like corporate superheroes, heroes. you know, which is kind of, it's kind of cool. It's like, it's kind of what you expect. They're, they're sort of like a punk band where, yeah, right. you know, the superheroes are more like the Rolling Stones, you know? So it's like the, the okay. budget's not as high. They, they're not as powerful, but they're powerful enough that they can hold their own in a fight. You know, they're, 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 it's like a combination of two things. It's like, one, they do have superpowers. They're not amazing, but they have something. And two, they have a lot of dirt on you you know, superhero, like they, they've seen in your house, they've read your emails, like, you know, so it's like, not just like, you don't want to kill them because, uh, they're dangerous, but also because you don't know what will be released to the public about you. And, and, and branding is very important in this world. You know, the, uh, would would you say that it's somewhat representative to say, you know, the, the sort of battle between like independent artists and the the bigger corporate, you know, I, I know that, that Ennis is, Preacher series was released through Vertigo, which is an offshoot of DC. But I would imagine that he would be coming from a place of speaking for more independent comic book artists. Well, Vertigo was um, not very independent. I mean, it was it was not really just an offshoot of DC. It was like a pretty big deal. Like at the time, Vertigo was king, man. Uh, I mean, everybody was reading it. It was you know finally something for the. Um, the coming of age audience, you know, who were getting a little older and wanted new stories. And uh, so when he, when he was writing for them, he was, I would say he was a mainstream comic book writer, but when he did the boys, that was on like dynamite comics or something. I I can't even, I don't even know if that's the right name. It was, it was definitely a uh, more underground uh, independent uh, run. So yeah, at that time, but but the art's amazing. I mean, the quality of that comic book's really good, but yeah, at the time he was, he might've been kind of talking to that sort of like, you know, we're, we're the, um, the underdogs here and, and we're going to tell a story about us, you know, taking on this, those big guys. Right. Cause I would imagine that even with the, the flexibility and the freedom that he might've had on the Vertigo imprint that working for an even smaller company would give him even more freedom to, you know, um, oh, yeah. subvert expectations when it comes to the superhero genre. Yeah. 
Yeah, and you really did. It's it's a lot of fun. The comic book was amazing, and the show does it justice. It's really good. Uh, so I've been enjoying that a lot. Uh, another one that just finished, like they just had their series finale, is a uh, Marvel TV series that I really enjoy, and it's an it's an X Men story actually. But you'd never know it oh. by watching the show. You you never see an X Men any one of the X Men in it. Uh, there's a character that that is very familiar to X-Men fans, but he's not even really mentioned by name. Um, but it's called Legion. Have you, have you seen Legion yet? Right. I haven't watched it, but I do know of it. That's um, in the comic book. Le- Legion was Charles Xavier's son. Was he yeah, not? that's right. So, and that is uh, a big part of the show, but it's in the background. Like you don't like the show is, it's, right. it's cool, man. It's its own weird thing. It's, it's almost like its own little, its own little comic book universe. Like it doesn't really, there's no other superheroes. There's none of that. It's just a, a really cool story about, um, people with, uh, kind of almost like doom patrol, uh, DC's doom patrol where it's like they, they have powers, but they're not exactly powers you want. And Legion's thing being that he is, uh, David in the show is, um, very, very, he has the kind of mental powers of Charles Xavier, Professor X, and he's very powerful, but he's also like totally schizophrenic. Multiple personalities, mm. uh, delusions. He never quite knows who he is or what's going on. And it's it's such a cool uh, idea to take, you know, someone with um, those kind of amazing mental powers and have them to where they can't even control themselves, you know. So, but you got to imagine if you have that level of telepathy, if your if your brain is that powerful that it has like millions of voices in it at all times, how would you not succumb to some form of schizophrenia? Well, that's what that's what it is. Like he's definitely, and I don't want to spoil too much, but like he's, um, it's it's not like the uh, mental disorders he has and the emotional problems he has. They're not actually like related to his power. It's like. He's oh. got the power, but he's also that. So, interesting. You know, it's it's dangerous. I mean, it's basically if all the, you know, like if you you have a person with like severe mental disorder and you know where 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 they they're hearing voices and some of those voices are very aggressive, things like that. You know, it's like, well, what if what if each of those delusions and each of, each of those you know inner voices had its own abilities to hurt people and you know. What what if the the monsters inside someone's head could actually get out and attack other people? You know, in, in a sense, that's not like a scene in the film or, or the show or anything, but it's it's that kind of idea. It's just like you know the the incredible power to save the whole world and to do amazing things, but a mind that is um, unable to do that because of all of the uh, all all of the um, malfunctions and weird things going on and 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 possibly external forces too uh there's there's a lot happening in that show it's really cool and every episode has it's almost like a musical where like every episode has like some kind of music number like he's you know he's fighting against this other really powerful uh, telepath and they're both singing the lyrics to the who's um behind blue eyes while they're fighting and it's like but it's and it sounds corny but it's like amazing you know or he's doing like a pink floyd number or uh uh i can't God, i can't even remember uh they do so i mean and they're good songs uh i heard a cover of tom petty's don't come around here no more and it was i'd never heard that cover before and it happened during this scene that was really emotionally um 
it was a really dark, dark scene. And the way that worked together, it was, uh, whew, it really took you there. It's, it's good. It's quality writing. And unlike uh, some shows that we have discussed in the past, the last episode was a really good last episode. Like it, it made sense. The characters all sort of, you know, were still themselves, even though they had changed. Oh, so, th- so then you're cool. saying it's uh, it's very equal to that of the finale of Game of Thrones? No, it's it's very superior, is what I'm saying. I don't know why you would oh. why, why you'd even bring up Game of Thrones, but uh, it's uh, no, it's it's a great show. So Legion was really good, and then um, when did, when does Watchmen come out? Uh, that that's coming. I don't know, but uh, that one I'm not so sure about. We'll see. Uh, I think it takes a lot of guts for HBO to just go like, you know what? We're going to make a sequel to Alan Moore's, uh, you know, flagship story that it, that everybody loves, and we're just going to take it. And I, I don't know. Well, <laughs> we'll see if it's. Good. Let's be honest. It, it's got to be better than Zack Snyder's take on it. Well, that was. I, I mean, yeah, but that also that wasn't a, an original story. That was like them just adapting something. I mean, this. I don't know if you're aware of what they're trying to do. Like they're. Uh, they're basically making their own Watchmen story in the modern day, uh, you know, well after the fact. Uh, kind of um, is what's what's is Alan Moore? I, I I mean, I assume I know the answer to this, but is Alan Moore in any way attached to this project? No, as always, he's pissed off and telling people not to watch it. You know, he's just. But that's that's everything that they've ever adapted of his. He's always like that. But but they also, God, I mean, that's. You got to think like that's one guy that, you know, everybody makes fun of him because he's always like, don't watch movies about my comic books. You know, I don't. And there's they're terrible. And but it's like it's true every time. You know, <laughs> I can't think of one um, Alan Moore adaptation that no V for Vendetta. V for Vendetta was good. That's right. OK, yeah. so I I'm not saying that it's true to its source material, but I enjoy from hell oh, as a, as a just forget, as just a yes. standalone movie. I forget that was him. Yeah, yeah. If, it's probably best if you if you forget that it's him, and you just treat it as its own thing. I enjoy it as a movie. Yeah, it was really good. That was a really good one. Um, I have some bad news for you. What's though. that? I, I'm looking up online uh, about the Watchmen series, uh-huh. and uh, there's some good things to be excited about. I mean, Don Johnson's in it, Lou Gossett Jr. Yeah. Um, you got Jeremy Irons. Yeah. But. It is the executive producer of this film is Damon Lindenloff. Oh, is that the uh, so, Game of Thrones guy? No, the, who's this? no, that is the Lost guy. Oh, <laughs> that's the uh, Prometheus guy. Oh yeah, Lost. Yeah, there's another show yeah. that went nowhere. Um, yeah. So, but sorry about Legion that. doesn't do that. If you if you hated the if you hate watching last episodes because you've been watching stuff like Lost and. Um, uh, Game of Thrones. Uh, the Game of Thrones the, last episode is not bad. You don't have to worry. Go ahead and start binging Legion. I think it's on Hulu. As uh, effects, well, no, effects have the show, and um, goddamn, you're gonna have a great time. Every all three seasons are one hell of a story with all kinds of fun stuff happening. Really cool characters, great adventures, a great cast. Uh, you've got um, Jermaine Clement. Uh, you've got uh, Aubrey Plaza. Um, and, and a bunch of other familiar faces. The guy that plays David is fantastic. I can't remember his name right now, but that happens a lot on this show. And so we, we used to look up names when we couldn't remember them, but, um, no, we're, we, we're well prepared. Yeah, we're kind of crunched for time. So we just let you guys do that now, uh, while we make excuses, but, uh, we like, we like to stay interactive. So that was, we want to pull you guys in. So that was great. And there's one more, which I almost talked about last week. Uh, but, um, then I got scared and did the email or the, not email, but the question thing. 
And um, the mailbag thing is what I was trying to say. Yeah. And <laughs> one of these days I am going to make a real physical mailbag. Just start printing out everything that people send we us. Should. And, yeah. That'd be a, that'd... Let's go old school. How many people would like that? If we actually had a proper, you know, PO box that you could send in letters to and we'll read them on the air. Uh, maybe someday. That'd be fun. See what we get. That'd be really cool. But uh, bring back analog. What's that? Is bring back analog. Bring back analog. It's very analog. If you like that warm sound of the physical post, that analog movement, then we've got we've got something coming up in the future. Uh, so preacher though, preacher is on AMC. It was their kind of oh yes. After people stopped caring about The Walking Dead so much, and uh, what was it? Uh, For good reason. Breaking Bad, you know, ended. That, that, I I also liked the last episode of Breaking Bad. That was really good. But oh, that was perfect. Yeah. But after Breaking Bad ended, and people stopped caring about Walking Dead so much, they needed something, and so they just like threw a hail mary, and you know, ah, let's just try this. People have been asking for this comic book to be a show for you know decades now, and Seth Rogen says he knows a way to do it, and so they made a show out of uh, Garth Ennis's uh, popular '90s comic book Preacher. And uh, it's, I said last week, I said it was going to the third season. I really hadn't been paying attention. It's fourth season now, <laughs> fourth oh, and last. Okay. So this is, this is one they've already said, this is going to be the end of it. And that was a comic book that ended with a, uh, a very famous mythological uh, figure getting his just desserts. And we'll see if they do the same thing on this show. But um, that was a, that was a great comic book. One of my favorites. And the show is very, very different, but it is fun. And it is super weird. It has a great soundtrack. It's silly. It's gory. It's um, it is just bizarre. And uh, I, I, I like of all the shows, you know, Legion as strange and you know heady as it got, uh, you know, uh, Boys as much of a freak show as it is. Like, there's nothing, nothing on TV as weird as Preacher right now. Really? Yeah, or the whole time it's just been the. It's I mean it the comic book was a weird story, you know, uh, a Texan preacher, an Irish vampire and a female hit woman are on a mission to find God. Walk into and, a bar. Well, right. Uh, but they're just driving around in a pickup truck trying to find God while a, uh, an undead Confederate general is like, uh, or something, a Lieutenant is like hunting them down, uh, along with a, uh, su- that, the, the Saint of, Saint of killers, saint of killers? Yeah, along with a super secret Catholic organization, that really runs most of the world's governments, you know, and it's just like so much madness, so much craziness. And, um, the show is, uh, like I said, the plot is way different. I mean, they took it to, cause, and Seth Rogen made a good point that there's a lot of things you can do in comic books that you just can't do in a TV show. It's a different audience with different expectations, what they're willing to believe, what they're willing to, uh, how much, how much plot even just how much plot you're willing to take in. Like he, he says, um, in the first issue of Preacher, you have a new a new god is born, uh, an entire town is killed, an Irish vampire shows up, uh, the hit woman shows up, um, you know angels are there. It's like all so much goes on in that first issue of Preacher, the comic book, that if you tried something like that in a TV show, no one would no one would come back. You know, and it's and I think he's right. So uh, they they did it really different in the show, but man, it's it's so much fun. Every week uh, I watch it, and my my. And we're always glad, like my coworkers and I, whenever it's coming back on, it's like, oh, the new season's coming. We get real excited. And it's that kind of show where you want to talk about it the next day. And and, it, and it's also one where you're just, you're constantly like surprised about 
that they actually had the guts to try to pull off that scene, you know, that they, that they went for it. It's, it's cool. It's really good. You're going to enjoy it. So, so how many, uh, how many tusk would you rate it? That's okay. So I don't, are we on the five of, of five or is it 10 of 10? I what think we it? should, uh, I think we should do five of yeah, five. Okay, good. Cause I thought last time we did the tusk thing, it was, I think it was like 10 of 10. And then you were like, Hey, the new episode that Matt did, check it out. Five tusks. And I was just like, you know what, dude? That's how you're going to be. So, okay. So if we're five of five, I thank you very much for that. that was, that was a nice compliment. Cause oh, I know how course. much Tusk means to you. So I, it means so much to you that I'm even going to, uh, cooperate with this rating system. And, uh, right. so I'm going to say, uh, uh, maybe four out of five for preacher. Um, okay. uh, five out of five for Legion, but it's like an a minus. Um, okay. Uh, yeah. Right. Same with boys. Yeah, and Preacher, it's just, it just gotcha. it has some uh, it struggles a little bit with some of the episodes, so that's why I'm just I'm not giving it like the full on five. But hey, man, four is really good, so you're gonna have a great time. Well, I I I'm a little under the weather right now from the trip, and uh, I want to start a series. So, of the three, which one would you recommend me starting? No, like if you want some, like while you're getting better today in bed, uh, start Legion, yeah. man. Yeah, go because that okay. first season of Legion is great. Like really, really great. It's like the whole time you just you don't know what's going on, but you love the colors, you love the music, uh, you love what you're seeing, and you're just uh, you just want you're. It's like a mystery. It's such a mystery the whole first season. You're just trying to get in there and figure it out, and uh, they make it really fun for you. So yeah, go for Legion. Fantastic, fantastic. All right, well, let us know what you think about Legion, about the boys, about Preacher, and most importantly, about Tusk. <laughs> Leave it in our comment sections on our Instagram. You can message us on Twitter if you can find us. Um, and uh, Matt, I don't know what else to say other than I hope you will reconsider your viewpoint on Tusk. Uh, yes, and I will. You'll you'll have a little bit of a appreciation for the boldness that was that majesty. Yeah, we're, we're going through changes. You've, you've traveled the world. You've come back and you've come back engaged. Uh, both of us have a, a weddings coming up in the future and we're, we're maturing and we're growing and well, maybe, maybe just maybe uh, I'll be able to see something in Tusk that I hadn't seen uh, last year when I watched it. <laughs> we'll see. So I'll give it a try. You've been listening to the Grindhouse podcast on the Heart of a Man is a Walrus Network. Please follow us on Instagram at Grindhouse Podcast and listen to us every Monday on iTunes, SoundCloud and now on Spotify.